Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year. And today we're starting a new book in the Old Testament. Um, and we are, we're, so we're doing Esther 1 and 2 and James 3. So I'll jump right in, actually. And James 3 is all about our language, our tongue, how we're using what, what we're speaking about. And it's also about wisdom in give some advice about wisdom. But I'm going to read the chapter because it's not very long and there's some really cool um, analogies that help really drive the message in. Because I could say, hey, be careful with the words you use. Don't, don't, you know, be careful with how you use your tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Yes, I could say that. But the analogies just really help drive it in. So here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We also stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Okay. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, as we turn, we can turn the whole animal Or take ships, for example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Wow. It is a restless, e- it is, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So yes, those people that you curse, that you say bad things about, they were also made in God's likeness. That was my commentary, my two cents. Okay, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree, fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Pretty powerful, right? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Oh, it's, there's quotes around that wisdom. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom does not come f- down from heaven, but is earth, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest in righteousness. A lot was to be said 
it's definitely worth reading this chapter again because I've read it now like four or five times just this morning. And I think when I read it out loud is when I got, it kind of finally sunk in. I don't know how I ended up reading it so many times. Okay, maybe four times. Um, I think because I kept starting and stopping. Um, but but I hope it really sinks in how powerful the, the tongue is and the words we use. It's interesting that they started with teachers, that when you're a teacher, there's great responsibility. It's, And then they moved on to the tongue. So he's saying when you have great leadership or any leadership, whether you're the leader of your own body or the leader of your own mind, the leader of your household, <clears throat> the leader in your in your job or your children or your community, your tongue has the power for blessings and cursing. And be careful what you're saying about other people because these are also made in the image of God. Okay, yeah, that was a really good chapter. All right, so moving on to Esther. What's going on? Well, you know, the first chapter of Esther, we just jump right into it, where the king, he's... He's the king, King Xerxes, over Persia, which is 127 provinces. And it stretches from India to Kush. Um, so he was having a festival. I think the festival lasted months, where he brought all the royal people from all the different provinces into his palace, and he just showed them lavish wealth. And he also let them drink whatever they wanted. So you had this drunk of noblemen, I mean, this room of noblemen full of a bunch of drunks. So I would imagine things were getting out of control. I imagine even King Xerxes didn't have good judgment because, come on, let's face it, everyone who's drunk doesn't have good judgment. So King Xerxes, and then they do stupid things, right? So King Xerxes called on his queen, Queen Vashti, who was very beautiful, to come and display herself so all the noblemen could see her beauty. Now, it says that they said that they wanted her to show up in her royal crown. So you wonder, is she supposed to appear naked before them? Or can she be in her royal clothes? We don't know. And we don't know why she refused to go. Or was she just standing her ground saying, no, I'm not going to be displayed like this in front of a bunch of drunk men? Or... We don't know. But for some reason, she refused to go. And again, they were also still drunk, so that infuriated him. He didn't think common sense that, oh my goodness, maybe I shouldn't have called her. No, 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 no. He was drunk also. So his judgment was, his request was off, his judgment was off. And then he asked for advice. What should I do? And they made a um, a decree that she is no longer to be come to the king and be presented in front of the king. So then in chapter two, after all the drunkenness have worn off, which took a long time, the king realized what he had done. And I imagine his advisor said, don't worry, don't worry, we're going to find you another queen. So they sent out to go find another queen from all the provinces to bring them all the beautiful virgins to bring them into the palace. Now none of this none of this sounds good cuz we have opinions, we have judgment. All the all the whole process. So just accept that. 
um, that, that this is the way the history goes. This is the story. So they brought these virgin women into the palace. And for six months, they did all these beauty treatments. It's a long time, right? Um, they did all these beauty treatments. And Esther won favor. Her name was Hadassah. And she was raised by her cousin Mordecai because her parents were killed at some point. They were Jews living in Persia. Um, he was, Mordecai and the family was taken into exile at the time when they were exiled to Babylon. Why he's still there, I don't know. Why didn't he go back to Jerusalem? I don't know. But he's there, and he raised Hadassah, who was Esther, as his own daughter. And his name is Mordecai. So Esther, sh so now we're back to in the royal palace. Everybody saw Esther's beauty, and she won favor over the, the eunuchs and the people in charge of the women and, you know, the officials in the palace. Mordecai told her, do not tell anyone you're a Jew. Because, you know, apparently, and still to this day in some countries, they don't like Jews. Talk about jealousy and envy. Certainly, people have jealousy and envy over the Jews. Um... But he won favor of, by the king. And he became, I mean, she, she won favor by the king and she became the queen um, instead of Vasti. So at the very end of chapter two, it's kind of interesting. You'd think it would just end there at chapter two. Okay, she became queen. But no, at the end of chapter two, it tells a small little bit about Mordecai being at the temple wall area and he overheard two people planning to assassinate king xerxes so mordecai told esther esther told the king and gave credit to mordecai and it was written or did esther tell the king um esther well she told somebody i'm sure reported it to the king somehow okay so it was written in the book because remember they record everything so it was written in the book that Mordecai saved the king's life from these assassins. And that's how it ends in chapter 2. So there you go. Moving right along, right? Beautiful story in some ways, painful in others. It rubs us the wrong way, certainly. But we're going to see the hand of God work through. But here's the great part. Because we know the history how they got exiled to Babylon. Because we know how that all happened, we can understand the current circumstances of the situation, why Mordecai is there, why they don't like the Jews, how the people are mixed up, because we have context of what we've read already up to this point. So there you have it. That was Esther 1 and 2 and James 3. Have a great day, everyone, and I shall see you tomorrow.